Okay, let's continue learning. So I know it got a little confusing, so we have to sort of make an order, put everything in order, and uh, let's go a little step at a time. So first of all, it's important to know that let's just remind ourselves that we're talking here about Yehudatata, the lower level unity of God, which means we're talking about how God's contracted light manifests as the world. So the, that was the first chapter from the Baal Shem Tev, where he spoke about that Hashem's words, the words that Hashem says that there should be a world, that there should be a firmament, the word of God, which we learned, what does it mean, the word of God, the Dvar Havaya, the speech of God? It's the contracted light of God that goes through many Tzimtzumim. Don't forget, there are a lot of different types of Tzimtzum, a lot of different types of contraction. There's, let's say, the Tzimtzum Harishan. The first symptom is where God contracts His infinite being, and then brings about just a little ray of light. And that ray of light goes through the ten spheres and goes through many contractions of many worlds until finally there could be a tailor-made light for each particular created thing. So what we're learning about now is what's called the Shekhinah Memalikul Alman. We're learning about God's contracted light that becomes enclosed in every particular detail of reality. Is that clear? Then that, that's so that we're learning that's the lower level unity about how God's light, the contracted light, is enclosed in and then manifests as every particular nivra, every particular created being, and every angel, etc. That's what we're talking about over here. So when we use the analogy of the sun and the ray of the sun, which we're going to explain again today, okay, let's just get clear what's the sun and what's the ray of the sun. The tree that you see is the ray of the sun. What's the sun of that tree? Not God in His infinite essence. We're talking about the contracted light of God that's enclosed within the tree. That's the sun in this analogy over here. There are other times that we speak about God's infinite being as being the sun and the contracted rays of light being within God. But that's not what we're talking about in Yehuda Tata. That's not what we're talking about in these chapters. In these chapters we're talking about, we learned in chapters 1 and 2, that Hashem is speaking, Yehi, saying let this flower come into existence and let this tree come into existence and let this person come into existence and this ant and platypus... And that contracted light of God that's bringing every particular thing into existence, in the analogy, that's going to be the sun. And the actual creature that we see is the ray of the sun. What? What's not clear? I don't get what the sun is. The sun is the contracted light of God. The ray. Of... You just said that that's the ray. No, no, no. The ray is the tree that you see. Again, we're using the analogy of the ray of the sun and the sun in this chapter for a particular thing. It's important to remember in this chapter we're using the analogy of the ray of the sun and the sun to explain why is it I see the world and I don't see the light of God that's bringing the world into existence. So the world that I see in this analogy, in the nimshal, is the ray. The, you hear? In this analogy, the ray is the world that I see. Where'd you go? Hello? In this analogy... You're there? I'm answering your question. Bailey? 
Okay. In this analogy, the, 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 the world that I see, you hear? The world that I see is the ray. The tree that I see is the ray. The godliness that's bringing this particular tree into existence in this analogy is going to be the sun. The question is, if the tree is nothing other than godly light bringing into existence, why do I see the tree? If there's nothing other than the godly light bringing it into existence, why do I see the tree? Why don't I see just the godly light that's bringing this tree into existence? Are you following me? Yeah? So we're saying that the reason you could see the tree is the same reason you could see the ray of the sun when it's not in the sun. When do you see the ray? But, but I, before I get explain the analogy again, but, but I want to make sure it's clear. What's, what's the, in this analogy that we're using, we're saying the particulars of this world, we want to unite the particulars of this world with God. We want to meditate how every particular item, every particular created thing in this world is united with Hashem's light. So first we're uniting it with Hashem's contracted light, with the Shekhinah, with Memalek Kulalman. We're not talking about Yehudi Law. We're not yet uniting it with God's essence. We want to understand how the world is God's contracted light. So there's a couple of steps here. It sounds like the, the, the sun itself is a contracted light. The sun is not. In it this, itself is godliness. In this, in this, in muscle. this, in this muscle, the sun itself is godliness. In this muscle, right. the sun itself is godliness. Right, not God itself. No, itself. no, because we're talking about to understand how every particular thing is united with the godly light that's bringing it into existence. Okay. Finally understood it. Thank you, Rabbi. <laughs> yeah, the sun over here is not talking about God and His essence. There are other places where we do speak about that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about way after many tzimtzumim. After the light becomes contracted to actually manifest as tree, as flower, as bird. Why do I see a bird? Seemingly, what's a bird? A bird is God saying every moment, let there be a bird, let there be a bird. Meaning he's contracting his light through millions of tzimtzumim to bring about a, a godly light that's bringing this bird into existence. And this bird has a godly light that another bird doesn't have. Every bird, every animal, every angel, every human being has its own godly light that's bringing it into existence. That's the sun in this analogy. The sun is the godly contracted light that's bringing every particular thing into existence. And so the question that we're asking is, why do I see the world as a world if really every particular created thing is just that contracted light of God bringing it into existence? Clear? That's what we're speaking about. We're speaking about, in other words, we're speaking about how to look at what the world that you see. God's infinite light that, that encompasses and transcends us, that's Yehudi Ilah. That's the higher level unity. That's when we want to go up to Hashem in His essence. But first, over here in these chapters, what the Alter Ba wants to explain is how the world that we experience is the contracted light of Hashem. Let's read it inside, okay? Just one, one quick question before I move on. Yeah, yeah. 
is the so the, the the move from from spiritual light to physical things that we can see it seems like just a matter of contraction so there's a certain point on the continuum of contractions where things go from spiritual things that we can't see to things that we can we can see there's like after enough consuming contractions it somehow becomes physical is that correct um well it depends what you mean by by physical in other words godliness could also be physical god's light could also be physical God's light is also physical, because God's light is what's bringing but everything to existence. Physical, such that we can see it. In other words, so in, that's what I'm in saying. the sun in this muscle is something we can't see. And there's a certain point on the continuum, it, become, it, kind of, it kind of goes, comes into the atmosphere, so to speak, where we, now we can actually see it. After so many contractions, we can actually see it, we can so, feel it. So what we're going to learn about, what the answer to this, I don't want to go too much out of order, but the answer to this is going to be Tzimtzum. Okay, but the, not the not not the symptom like that when God contracts His infinite light, the symptom that in every particular thing has another symptom. That symptom doesn't make the thing physical per se, because physical things could also be seen to be one with Hashem. Hashem isn't spiritual. Hashem isn't physical, and therefore He could manifest as both. So it's not the physicality per se that makes the symptom. It's the tzimtzum that makes the tzimtzum, that makes the physicality seem as if it's something other than the spirituality that's in it. Yeah? So, so, so let's, just, let's just say that again. I, I wanna, I'm going to point that out again. There's not just one tzimtzum. When Chesidus and Kabbalah speaks about tzimtzum, there's not just one type of tzimtzum. Let's take for let's 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 if we're already talking about this, let me take the time and, and explain what I mean. There's what's called Simtsum Harishon, the first Simtsum, which when you open up Kabbalah, how does Kabbalah begin? Kabbalah begins in the beginning there's Hashem's infinite light, and there's no place for worlds to exist. So Hashem has to do a Simtsum, he makes a void, an empty space, he contracts his infinite light and makes a void where there's a place for worlds to exist. That symptom is the first symptom. Now when Hashem does that and make an empty void, an empty space, He contracts, He conceals His infinite light. Could anything be created at this point? No, because Hashem has concealed His infinite light. Hashem has concealed His light. There's no revelation. Hashem's light, it's like, you know, they, like men say about women or women say about men. You can't live with them, you can't live without them. So Hashem's light is the same way. When there's no revelation, when there's a revelation of too much light, there can't be an ex- any existence other than God. But if there's no revelation of light, then nothing could exist because everything is just the light of Hashem. So the first symptom is where He conceals His infinite light and brings about that empty void, that empty space. Then it says he brings a kav, one little teeny drop ray of light, one kav, one line of light back into the halal, back into the empty void. Now this kav, this kav of light, this line of light, what's it doing? It creates the highest spiritual worlds. It manifests as Adam Kadmon, as Atzilus. Still not the world that we see. That, that, that's bringing into existence spiritual worlds. Then between each spiritual world, the, the different four worlds, there have to be other tzimtzumim. There are other contractions between each world making the world less and less. 
None of those yet is the symptom that we're going to be talking about over here. Eventually, when the world gets contract, when the light gets contracted enough and manifests as the world of Asiya, as the physical world, then the light is bringing about the world that we see. That light that's bringing about, that's so contracted, that actually is bringing about the world that we see, that's called Memalikol Alman. Or in the language of Shar HaYichud, that's called the Dvar Havaya, the speech of God. That's the speech of God. The speech of God is the lowest light that's bringing about the world that we could see. And each particular created thing has another speech, has another word of God in that particular thing. In the Moshe we're learning now, that speech of God, that word of God, is the sun. And the thing that you see is the ray. That's what the Mushal is going to be saying. <laughs> so the Alter Rebbe is asking the following question. If a tree is that God contracted his light through so many contractions until his light could manifest as a tree, that's what the tree is. So why do I see a tree and I not see the light? So the Alter Rebbe is then going to give the analogy of the ray of the sun and the sun and say that when are you able to see the light, the ray of the sun, when it's not in the sun? But when the ray of the sun is in the actual sun, you don't see it as a ray, it's just part of the actual sun. Meaning that somehow the reason I'm able to see a tree as a tree is because I don't see the godly light, the divine speech that's bringing... Which in this case is the sun bringing that tree into existence. In other words, the symptom that we're going to be learning about over here in chapters 3 and 4 of Shara Yichud is the last symptom out of all the symptomum of Seder Ishtalshus, of the whole downchaining of worlds from the beginning of creation all the way down here. This symptom is the last and final symptom. This is the symptom that makes the world seem as if it exists by itself. This isn't a lessening of God's light. It's a concealing of God's light in the finite thing. Is that clear? <clears throat> so, let's, so let's speak out the mushal again one more time. So he's saying like this. When am I able to see the ray of the sun as a, as a ray when it's outside the sun? When it's in the sun then I don't see the ray. It's just part of the sun. So, so too, when am I able to see the world as a world? When the world is outside, so to speak, outside the divine light bringing to existence, which we spoke about doesn't seemingly make sense because like we spoke about the throwing of the rock, there are no two things. There's the divine light is the world. So he's giving an analogy that... that, that he wants you to understand from the analogy that because I can't see the divine light, that's why I see the world as a world. Were I to see the divine light, I wouldn't see the world as a world. And for that, he's bringing the analogy of the sun and the ray of the sun. Yeah? Let's read it inside again. Um, um, where should we read from? Let's read again. Let's, let's just read quickly from, 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 the, from the top, from the in, 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 an illustration of this. Okay? 
an illustration of this, an illustration of what? The fact that I could only see the world because I'm not seeing the divine light that's bring into existence. An illustration of this is the light of the sun, which illuminates the earth and its inhabitants. This illumination is the radiance and the light which spreads forth from the body and the sun and is visible to all as it gives light to the earth and the expanse of the universe. When can I see the ray of the sun as a ray? When it's not in the sun. Is that, that has to be very clear. The ray manifests and I see the ray as a ray when it's not in the sun, when it's down in the, in the atmosphere in the universe. So, <clears throat> of course, like, like you mentioned yesterday, the, the ray of the sun is still, it's still connected to the sun somehow. It's still sibitvekus to the sun, but it's no longer within the sun. It's now in the atmosphere and that's why I'm able to see it as a separate ray. Now, it is self-evident that this light and radiance is also present in the very body and matter of the sun globe itself in the sky. I know for sure that this ray does exist within the sun globe in the sky itself. What's the proof? For if it can spread forth and shine to such a great distance, then certainly it can shed light in its own place. So the ray exists in the sun. But, but, and it exists even more than outside the sun. But what is the ray when it's in the sun? It doesn't exist as a ray. What does it exist, exist as? As the sun. However, there in its own place, this radiance is considered not in complete nothingness when the ray is actually in the sun, for it is absolutely non-existent in relation to the body of the sun globe, which is the source of this light and radiance, inasmuch as this radiance and light is merely the illumination which shines from the body of the sun globe itself. So when it's still, when the ray is still in the sun, it's sun. When do I see the ray as a ray? When it's outside the sun. It is only in the space of the universe, under the heavens and the earth, where the body of the sun globe is not present, that this light and radiance appears to the eye to have actual existence. When can I say that the ray has an actual existence, that I see it as a yesh? When do I see the ray as a fully functioning ray? When it's outside the sun. And here the term yesh existence can truly be applied to it, whereas when it's in its source, in the body of the sun, the term yesh existence cannot be applied to it at all, and it can only be called not a nothingness. There it is indeed not and absolutely non-existent, for there only its source, the body of the sun, gives light, and there is nothing beside it. So the bittle, what is the bittle of the ray? The bittle of the ray, when it's in the sun, means that it has no separate entity other than being part of the sun. When do I see the ray as a ray? When it's outside the sun. Yeah? And now the Altarabah says the nimshal. Let's read the nimshal again inside. The exact parallel to this illustration. Now, look carefully when he talks about what's the sun and what's the ray. In the example, when he, when he touches up, now look what the sun is and what the ray is. The exact parallel to this illustration is the relationship, look, between all created things, that's the ray. You see that? All created things are the ray. And the divine flow of life force from the breath of his mouth which flows upon them and brings them into existence. Do you see that? That's the sun over here. The breath of God's mouth, the light of God that's contracting itself to manifest, to, to, be, to, to be imminent within everything and bring everything into existence, that's the sun over here. That's the source of, that's, that is the sun in this analogy. 
So the godly light that's inherent within the world, we're not talking about some high level of godly light. We're talking about the godly light that's in you, that's in the chair you're sitting on. That godly light is the sun. Because the chair you're sitting on is nothing other than the divine flow from the breath of his mouth which flows upon them and brings them into existence. That's the sun over here in this analogy. Is that clear? The godly light that makes you up is the sun from which you're emanating. God is their source and they themselves are merely like a diffusing light and effulgence from the flow and spirit of God which issues forth and becomes clothed in them and brings them from naught into being. Hence their existence is nullified in relation to their source. So the truth is that the world is battled to Hashem. The world has no separate entity from God, really because we're within the sun, we're within the divine flow. You know, by the way, one of the names that, that Kabbalah calls God is Be'er Maim Chaim. Be'er Maim Chaim means the well of flowing waters. Uh, we're going to see that more in chapter 4, that Hashem's light is always flowing into everything. The breath of His mouth is what's speaking everything to existence every single moment. And their existence is nullified in relation to their source, meaning to the divine light that's enclosed within the world. Just as the light of the sun is nullified and is considered naught and complete nothingness, and is not even referred to as existing at all when it's in its source. When the divine light is actually in its source, and when the ray of the sun is in its source, you wouldn't even say that it's existing. You would just say it's part of the sun. Only beneath the heavens, when would you say the ray exists? Beneath the heavens, where its source is not present, then it could be called existing. In the same manner, so too in the nimshal, in the same way, the term yesh, existence, can be applied to all created things. So now what's the nimshal? Let's get something clear over here. So now, before we read the sentence, let's actually speak about it inside. So it's saying, when does the ray look like a ray? When it's outside the sun. So when does the world, the way we see it, look like a world? When we don't see, when you're not able to see the divine light that's enclosed in it. That's the parallel. Get this clearly, because otherwise we're not going to, because then he's going he's gonna to ask a question on this. But the parallel that he's making is as follows. Just like the ray only exists when it's outside the sun, then is there an existence of a ray, but when it's in the sun, you don't see the ray, it's just part of the sun. So to the world, we see the world the way that we see it because we don't see the divine light bringing it into existence. But were we to see the divine light bring into existence, we wouldn't see the world as it is now. And that's what he says. In the same manner, the term yesh, existence, can be applied to all created things only as they appear to our corporeal eyes. When do we refer to a tree and a chair and the world as a yesh, as a created existence, the way that they seem to our corporeal eyes, the, ways that, the way we see because we don't see the divine light? For we do not see nor comprehend at all the source, which is the Spirit of God, the Ruach Hashem, 
the speech of God. We don't see the speech of God, the contracted light of God, that are bringing things into existence. So therefore, that's why we see the world as a world. Therefore, it appears to our eyes that the materiality, grossness, and tangibility of the created things actually exist, just as the light of the sun appears to have actual existence when it is not within its source. So that's the end of the analogy that he's bringing here, that that's why we see, that he asked, well, if everything is just Ein V'Efes, then why do we see a world as a world? Why do we see the world as a world? The answer is because we don't see the divine light that's bringing into existence. And he gave the example of the ray of the sun and the sun. Yeah? But now we have to ask a very the question, is everyone clear? Anyone want to ask any questions? Okay. But now we have to ask a question that seemingly some, that, that some of you had asked earlier, that seemingly the analogy doesn't really fit. Because we're saying, when is the ray of the sun able to be seen as, as a ray? When it's in the sun, you don't see it as a ray. It's just part of the sun. So, but when the ray leaves the sun, the ray actually leaves the sun and comes down to the atmosphere, then you could see it as a ray. The problem is when it comes to the world and the divine light that's enclosed in it, that never happens. There's never two steps. It never happens that the world leaves the godly light. Getting back to the throwing of the rock, when you throw the rock upwards, right? So imagine you, imagine you had supersonic glasses that could see. You had supersonic glasses that could see your strength, right? And I could see flying of the rock, let's say. But if, let's say, I was not able to see your strength, let's say your strength I'm not able to see, would I be able to see flying of the rock? It's not two separate things. Or the walking of the puppet, when you're walking with a puppet. If, let's say, for some reason, your strength that's in the puppet can't be seen, then there'd be nothing to see in the puppet. Because your strength and the walking of the puppet is the same thing. Or in the way that the Alter Rebbe asks it, once you understand that the divine light is enclosed within every particular detail of reality, mamish, the whole analogy of the ray of the sun and the sun doesn't make sense. Because the ray of the sun actually leaves the sun. That's why you could see a ray. But the world never leaves the light of God. So it doesn't answer the question, so why am I able to see the world as a world if it's always still within the light of God? Let's read the question inside. It's the last paragraph in chapter 3. But in the following, the illustration is apparently not completely identical with the object of comparison. The mushal and the nimshal seemingly are not good. He brought the mushal to explain why I'm able to see the world just like I'm able to see the ray of the sun when it leaves the sun. But the ray of the sun actually leaves the sun. The world never leaves the divine light. And that's what he asks. For in the illustration... The source, the sun, is not present at all in the space of the universe and upon the earth where its light is seen as actually existing. In the analogy, the actual light of the sun is able to leave the sun. 
and comes to a different place. Whereas all created things are always within their source. All created things are always within their source, within the divine light that's bringing them to existence. And it is only that the source is not visible to our physical eyes. We're not able to see the divine light, so then what are you looking at? If the tree is nothing other than the divine light, and you can't see the divine light, then what are you looking at? What are you seeing? By the ray of the sun, the ray of the sun actually leaves the sun. But the created beings are nothing other than Hashem's light, so what are you looking at? If so, why are they not nullified in their source? Right? Why is the world not nullified and why are we able to see the world as a world? So the analogy that it falls short because it still doesn't answer the fact that we've already explained that the world is so unified with the godly light, they're not two separate things. So then how could you bring the analogy of the ray of the sun that actually leaves the sun? And the Altarebbe leaves off with the question, he says, to understand this, some prefatory marks are necessary. And he gets to the answer in chapter 4. But before I finish, I just want to leave off with a, with a, with a nice idea that Hasidim used to say. That, you know, the, by Hasidim, historically, Hasidim didn't learn philosophy books. Books of philosophy. And the reason is because they were scared that you would understand the question and not understand the answer. Or like they say, the uh, you know the Abar Benel, his book on on Chumash, like he asks like seventeen questions and he barely gets, he never gets to the answer. And so they say that the the German Jews would read the Abar Benel's book and every week read their questions, never get to the answers. So, and we're afraid that you're going to read the questions and you're going to fall asleep and not get to the answer and leave off with a question. So the question is, why would the Alter Rebbe finish off a chapter with a question? And we're finishing off until next week. We're staying with a question. We're not going to have an answer until next week. But Hasidim explained that it depends what kind of question you're asking. The philosophy books, what is their question? How could there be that there's a God? If X, Y, and Z, how do I know that there's a God? How do I know that Torah is true? Or seemingly what it says in Torah doesn't make sense. Those type of philosophical questions are dangerous if you leave off with a question with no answer. But here in Tanya, what's the Alter Rebbe's question? He's asking a question in the exact opposite direction. His question is, it still doesn't make sense that I see a world. If only God exists and everything is the light of God. Why is it I'm able to see a world? Everything is still within God's light all the time. It's not like the ray of the sun that leaves the sun. It always is within God's light. So it doesn't make sense that I see a world. So the question is on the world, not on God. The question is, I don't understand why I'm able to see the world. And if you have that question, it's okay if you don't get to the answer so quickly. The world should, the world becomes a little less strong. The world becomes a little less um, convincing. Because it seemingly doesn't make sense. The world is always within God's light. I shouldn't be able to see the world. And if you fall asleep and you live with that question, it's totally okay. All right, any other questions, comments, or witticisms before we stop for, for the week? I have to go, but I wanted to wish everyone a good Shabbos, and thank you again, Rabbi, for another wonderful week of Shireen. Really appreciate it. Very much, very welcome. Good Shabbos, everyone. I hope you'll have a chance maybe over Shabbos to take a look at Chapter 3, try to review, try to... These, you have to understand, these things are not just information. 
they're pictures you have to get clearly in your mind. You have to think about it a few times and then it becomes more clear. It's not just cognitive, it's imaginative. It's, you have to use your faculty of imagination to picture these things in your mind and that's how it becomes more clear. All right, everyone, have a good night. Have a good Shabbos.